Thanks, worship team. Good stuff. Uh, you may or may not know, Ben was filling in for Greg Petersheim this morning, uh, who's in the hospital with Tanya, so Ben, we're grateful to you. Ben, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and to the worship team for leading us. Hey, uh, uh, word or sentence completion this morning, a picture is worth... You've just introduced our series that's coming up next. The next series that's happening after next Sunday, it's called A Thousand Words, Pictures of Faith for the Everyday. We're going to be looking for seven weeks at pictures of faith that Jesus gave to the disciples and those following him in the New Testament times. These are stories that Jesus told that give a picture, not of what the future will look like, not about what the kingdom of God will look like, but about how do you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, how do you picture your faith playing out in the every day, all right? So beginning in two weeks, a thousand words is our focus for the next seven weeks after that, okay? Looking forward to that uh, with you, all right? This morning, we're going to continue in this series called Rethink It, and uh, if you've been with us for a little while, you know what we're trying to do, and that is we're trying to get beneath the surface of New Year's resolutions and new things happening in New Year beyond just losing weight and reading one book a month, which are all fine and good, which might be good for you to do, but, but below that, rethinking some motivations, re- rethinking some identity, rethinking some core issues of who we are, and those are always just really hard things to do because we're, we function out of an assumed um, identity, and we're trying to c- poke away at that a little bit in this series uh, in the time that we share together. We've created a, a social media stream conversation about this, hashtag GPC Rethink It. Appreciated those who were able to engage with that. That, if you know and you're familiar with social media, that is you know, just one word, hashtag GPC, rethink it, and we'll track the conversation on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever you might want to use. So any thoughts or comments you have, uh, regardless of whether you like or dislike or whatever you can have, uh, you can post there. Here's where we've been in this series. Uh, we began by thinking um, about... Um, our limits. We wanted to rethink our limits. And we began in this, this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which we can turn to in a minute. But we, we began there in thinking um, that as Paul was writing this letter to the church at Corinth, he's saying that I, we no longer consider one another from a worldly point of view, that the old is gone, the new is here. And we talked about this idea that there's something different when you become a follower of Christ. There's something different that happens within you. The limit of forgiveness that you used to have has to be rethought. Okay? The limit of compassion on your neighbor has to be rethought. The limit on patience and grace has to be rethought. And even the limit of how you judge yourself has to be rethought because following Jesus means that since he died and rose again, that all the laws of nature change. We no longer consider ourselves from a worldly point of view. That fundamentally change is at the heart of the Christian message and we have to rethink our limits of how far we're willing to go based on the fact that the person that we say we follow, if you're a Jesus follower, came back to life and destroyed the laws of nature in that sense. He conquered them. And so what we think is natural and normal to stop forgiveness here, to stop care there and compassion here, and to to think of ourselves here has to be rethought because the old assumptions are gone and the new is here. We talked about that in week one. Week two is a little tougher, and we interacted with that more, a little bit more as a congregation, because we talked about rethinking how we relate to one another. Because in week two, we talked about this, this, uh, this whole idea of being given the message of reconciliation. That this powerful phrase was in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 19, I believe it was, that we looked at there, that, that Jesus no longer counts our sins against us. He no longer accounts us uh, 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 takes into consideration our sins in this sense that he doesn't hold it against us and that he's actually given to us the message of reconciliation. This is a powerful, powerful message to rethink how we think about one another. That it's no longer, oh, they owe me an explanation, they owe me an answer, they need to give me a reason why, that those are all accounting terms, that we hold people in debt to us until they pay the debt to us to satisfy the balance sheet we have against them. And Jesus is like, hey, I don't do that to you, so rethink why you do that to others. Because I'm giving you the message of reconciliation. Last week, 
we came together, we talked about that everybody's life sends a message. That everyone's life sends a message. And that passage of scripture we looked at there in verse 20 in 2 Corinthians 5 said that we are ambassadors of Christ. That we live this message of reconciliation. That everyone's life sends a message and the question is what is the message that your life is sending if we're ambassadors of this and that is our role to speak and to, to teach and to live and lead in that way. What is the message of a life that I'm sending as an ambassador of Christ, one who's been given authority to speak and lead and serve for somebody else? This week, we're going to rethink something else, and this is a rethinking at an even deeper level. Last week was rethinking what we do. This is rethinking who we are fundamentally, who we are before Christ. And I want you to note a little heads up, at the end of the, the, the message, here's where I'm going. At the end of the message, I would like to have your interaction, your feedback, and I would like you to encourage you. Okay? I'd like you to be able to encourage the people around you. And what we have asked for in this series is not only a, a social media thread and conversation to engage us there, but also I've given you a card, about a four by six card some of you have and have kept for this month that has simply our passage of scripture on it. And on the back is blank. And we've, I've asked you, could you write down two or three things that have shaped you or challenged you or moved you during this, this message series? May or may not be anything that I say, but it may be something that the Spirit of God is, is pushing in on you. Maybe something you're rethinking yourself. So here's what I'm going to ask from you in about 15, 20 minutes because I'm having a shorter message today. I've just committed to that publicly, so now I'm going to try to follow through. This will feel shorter today because it will be. Because I want to have time at the end to hear from you. So you'll, you'll have um, on your on the inside or on the center aisle of your pew, all right, are cards with pens. If you happen to be sitting there or near there, can you do me this favor now? Can you begin now to distribute those cards and pens kind of out the end of your aisle? And as you're doing that, I'll tell you why. At the end of the service, I'm going to ask you, what do you need to rethink? That will be my question at the end, all right? What do you need to rethink or what have you been rethinking? And what I'd like to be able to do with you is share together as a people of God, as a community of faith, what God is doing in our midst. I'd like for you to be able to hear how God is moving within us. And so uh, what we're going to do at the end is I'm going to ask that question. And if you can, if there's something in you that you're responding to, that you have responded to in the last month that we've been here, or maybe even just this morning, if you could write down, what is it that I need to rethink? Here's what I need to rethink, and it could be from week one or two or something that happened on a Tuesday, you know, this month related to this, this kind of series. What is it that I need to rethink? And if you can write that down, we're going to collect them at the end, and we're going to read a number of them, hopefully all of them. We'll see how it goes, because I'm not sure how it's going to go. It's going to be live TV, so we're going to kind of make it up as we go here, all right? Um, and I'm going to ask Chuck Holt to come back up at the end, and we're going to read these things together. Now, in addition to that, I want you to know that as you're writing here in, in, a, in a few minutes, that I will be praying for these. And if you would like me to pray for you by name in relation to what you write, just write your name on that and I will do that. I won't read your name this morning, but I will be glad to pray for you by name with whatever you write down there if you would like that. All right? So that's where we're going. You have a few minutes to think about what you might want to say there. Okay? So as you're thinking and as you're getting your, your thinking caps on, I want you to think about, um, I want you to think about the richest person that you know. I'd like you to think about a millionaire. You could even think about a billionaire now if you'd like to. Okay, you got that person in mind? Now think about how you feel, how you feel about that individual. Think about how you feel about that person. You have a millionaire in mind, how you feel about them. Now some of you might feel quite warm to them because they're your relative. They're your, your grandparent, your uncle, your mom, your dad, or your sister, or whatever. You might be very warm and friendly to them, or because they're family, maybe you're not warm and friendly, all right? That's a whole other issue. Some of you might say, well, I know somebody, and I'm a little, if I'm honest, a little envious of their position because they were kind of given the money that they have. They were in the family business, and they were kind of escorted into money, and it's just a little unfair that life works that way, but that's the way it is. Others of you might say, man, I'm really, I really respect the way that they got their money and, you know, all that stuff. But here's what I think is true, that no matter how people that we know get 
that kind of money, millionaires or multi-millionaires or billionaire, if you want to, no matter how people get their money, the true issue for us as we think about people in that strata, what drives the way we feel about them is not so much how they got there, but what they do with what they have now that they're there, right? There's a fundamental difference between how we feel about someone like Bill Gates and, some, and a way that we feel about someone like a Johnny Manziel, a, a rookie quarterback for the Cleveland Browns this year, who's a millionaire, probably many times over, I don't know his salary, but is, uh, as he would say, I need to mature, I need to grow up. Yeah, yeah. Late night partying, all kinds of... of uh, spring break kind of behaviors with almost no limits in his life compared to someone like a Bill Gates who actually has more money but has created an incredible foundation to try to drive great change in the world of of poverty and social justice. And why is it that we respect that a little bit more than Johnny's money? Well, the reason is obvious because what you do with your privilege matters. It's the reason why we have more respect for a Warren Buffett than a Kim Kardashian kind of person, right? Yeah. That what you do with what you have is important, right? That what you do with what you have is very, very important, right? It's not just about what I have. It's not just about getting there, but it's about what I do with what I have. And here's what parents will say, and here's what people say all the time, that this phrase here, with privilege comes responsibility, right? We use this phrase all the time, don't we? You have the privilege, as a parent, you might say to your kid, yeah, you get the privilege of, you know, being in the musical or the privilege of doing after-school sports, but you've got the responsibility of homework. If you don't get it done, you don't play. You've got to take care of the responsibility if you want the privilege. And if you get the privilege, comes responsibility with it. And people who have the privilege but don't show the responsibility, we think, what a fool. What a fool. Look at the privilege you have of all the millions, and look how you're acting. Look at the privileges that you have. And look how you're treating it irresponsibly. Come on, come on, come on. We will evaluate, judge legacies based not on that you have privilege, but what you do with the privilege that you have. And this morning, I want to convince you in just a short few moments that if you are a follower of Jesus, if at some point in your life you said, I want to follow him, that you are a spiritual multimillionaire. You are spiritually a billionaire. And you have an incredible, incredible privilege. And the issue is not how you got into that privilege of whether your mom and dad was a Christian, you became a Christian, and you were kind of ushered into the family business or family faith, so to speak, or whether your backstory is completely different and you kind of came to faith out of a completely different background. It doesn't matter. If you're in the faith, if you placed your faith in Jesus, so the issue now is not so much how did I get to where I am, but wow, now that I'm here, what do I do with the millions that I have, because with privilege comes responsibility. So if you have your Bible, I'd invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse um, 16 for background, and then we're going to roll right into verse 21 as our text, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the context is important to get up to verse 21, so we're just going to read right through from 16 on down to 21. By the way, if you don't own a Bible or have one with you, there's a Bible in the pew around you. That's our gift to you here um, this morning. If you'd like to take that with you, you're certainly welcome to do that. So Paul is writing, he says, so from now on, um, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the, message, the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. All right? That's all background. That's all background to verse 21. Finally, this section wraps up, and Paul makes a statement. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One more time on that verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, this passage 
finishes with this statement about your identity and mine, if you're a follower of Christ, that you are the righteousness of God. I encouraged you last week to stand in front of the mirror on Monday morning and say, I'm an ambassador of Christ. And to allow your spouse to maybe think you're a little weird for saying that out loud, but to remind you, this is what I do. All right, this is my message. But here's the, the truth. If you're a follower of Christ, you, you are the righteousness of God. And I don't know how much you've thought about that before, but that issue is, what does that mean that I'm the righteousness of God? And so here's real briefly what this idea means. And this, this word, like many words, kind of it changes meaning over time, or meaning kind of rolls onto it as a stone rolls through or a snowball kind of gathers more, you know, yard junk in it and, you know, all this stuff kind of comes in time. Over time, as a word rolls through time, it gathers meaning onto it. Now, righteousness is kind of that word. And so there's some backstory to it and then some things that happened in the New Testament time it's important to look at. So this word righteousness um, originally had this concept of the quality of being upright. Um, <laughs> you can... Uh, Imagine some kind of surfer dude who would be like, righteous dude, when you're talking about a great wave that he caught. Or maybe there was the turtle in Finding Nemo who talked like that, okay? Um, what was that turtle's name? Someone help me out on that. What was that turtle's name? Crush, right. Crush, who's a, who would talk that way. Oh, totally righteous, dude. Like, what a wave, man. And so the idea that that was perfect, like it was awesome. Like, the way that that is built is righteous. Now, we don't talk like that at all. Can you imagine showing up on the job site, and you're like, well, how are things going today? Man, well, that pillar looks righteous. No, no, the foundation is righteously done. And we don't talk like that. But here's the idea, that it's a quality of being upright. In other words, I can build on this, all right? I can trust this. This is, this is upright and good. And then it moved on to this, and here's where it added on. Here's maybe a little confusing, so I want to go a little slower and explain this. It added meaning that there is a sense in which, as you think about righteousness, there's an equitableness that combines with awareness of responsibility within a social context. There's an, an interest of equity or fairness. Righteousness has this idea that equity should happen, and it combines with, oh, if things are to be equitable... We're going to call this a righteous group or righteous society, or if I'm going to be a person who is righteous in the society, I need to aim for equity, and then I have a responsibility, not just the privilege of being righteous, I have a responsibility within a social context to kind of create righteousness, that equity kind of combines with this all of a sudden realization of, oh man, i got to do something about my privilege. If I'm going to be righteous or, or create a righteous society, it's social, not just with me. And ultimately, as the word kind of kept rolling through time, it came to become a synonym for perfection. It came to become a synonym for perfection. And this synonym is, this meaning of... Sorry about that, not my bad. This, the meaning of this word now, when Paul was writing, carries this idea of the synonym of perfection. And so when Paul is writing... It has this backstory of the people would have known, oh yeah, we use this in, um, in justice terms, we use this in legal terms, we also might even use this in building, talk about something being upright, but now it's grown in, in meaning to become, this is, this is the description that you would use to describe someone who is so well respected that they are, they are righteous, that everyone would want that word attributed to them. It's a synonym for perfect. And so Paul uses that word. And he says, if you're a follower of Christ, you are perfect before God. We can build on you. We can build on you. With that privilege comes the responsibility. But it's perfect. In other words, you become a spiritual multimillionaire all of a sudden. It's an amazing concept to think about. The identity that you and I share in Christ is not, man, what a failure I am, although we feel that, don't we? In fact, the reason that many of us came to faith is because we realized how fallen we were. We realized how much we failed. We realized how insecure we are. We realized how weak and broken we are. We just know that intuitively, and it's hard not to forecast that and push that onto God and say, certainly, if I know that, God must know that about me. Maybe with my allegiance and maybe with my commitment to church and faith, God will, will see that and will love me and care for me. 
And here's this profound reality that God sets forth through Paul's writing. He says, you are the righteousness of God. You're perfect before God. I know that you look in the mirror and you don't see that. I know that you look in the mirror and you see your failings. I know that you look in the mirror and you wish you could be different. I know that you look in the mirror and see all that stuff, but you need to know that you are the righteousness of God. And here's, here's the problem with that. That with privilege comes responsibility. With privilege comes responsibility. And here's a bigger problem with that. That the privilege that we have of being the righteousness of God and being made perfect before him comes with the responsibility of taking that same message to everybody else. It comes with being an ambassador of the message of reconciliation. It comes with being committed to that message of reconciliation and having that message given to us. And here's what we talked about with reconciliation, that reconciliation is essentially exchanging hostile relationships for friendly, interpersonal, right relationships. That reconciliation is saying there's something broken and wrong in that relationship. I'm going to fix it and make it right. That's what we do. I'm no longer going to count or account their sins against me. I'm going to reconcile that. I'm going to make hostile relations right and, and friendly. That's what I'm going to do. And before God, we have become the righteousness of God. We've become spiritual multimillionaires. And your legacy and my legacy is going to be judged not on how we got there, but on what we do with the money that we have, with the currency that we have, with the position we have before Christ. And so here's, here's the push on it. I'm going to push on this a little bit, and I'm going to ask for your response. So the push on this is this, that by and large, we do well at loving people well who love us. Remember we talked about this in week two that it is not difficult to care well for the people who kind of are like us. But the challenge in Jesus' words that I referenced in week two is that Jesus says, love your enemies. Translation, the people that you currently don't like, we need to figure out a way to love. He'll say, everybody gives money to people expecting payment in return, but I tell you, give without expecting a return. It's a, it's a game changer. And here's my interpretation. Here's how I work on this. I, I, will, I will say, yes, I'm the righteousness of God. I get it. I get it. It makes sense. And I will then explain all the ways in which I am trying to help people who are outside of faith in Christ come to faith in Christ. I'm trying to explain and say, hey, listen, there's ways that I'm involved in church, right? There's ways that I'm involved in our community. And we're trying to replace hostile relations with God with friendly ones. That's right. But, 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 but. Is it not true that for all of us, there are still little pockets of individuals or groups, individuals or groups that will say, we've gone as far as we can. I'm always going to be at odds with this person, with that person, with my person in the family. I've gone as far as I can in caring for and loving and serving them. The message of reconciliation, I know there's a hostile relationship there, and I kind of know that I'm supposed to reconcile and be about that business, but... I've gone as far as I can, but I am friendly with a lot of people. Look at all the people that I'm friendly. Look at all the people that I'm interacting with. Look at all the people who like me. Look at all the people who are kind to me and who I'm kind. Look at all the people. Look at all the meals I serve people. Look at I'm involved in church. I'm involved in small groups. I go on mission trips. You know, I I give and all that. I mean, look at all the ways that I'm involved. And I know there's this little corner over here where if you were to ask these people who don't get me and who I don't get, they might look at me and say. They have privilege, but they are so irresponsible. They are so Johnny Manziel-like with that. They're so irresponsible with their spiritual wealth. They can't even get along with people like me. Everybody knows they don't like me. Everybody knows they don't like people who, whatever, drink, smoke, chew, and go with girls who do, whatever the, the code of conduct is. So here's the challenge for us. Is that there is no one who is outside of the reach of God's love and care, right? There's no one who's gone so far that we, he, we, he, they cannot be reached, right? Isn't that true? There's no one, so the, the categories, in other words, the categories that I put some people in and say, no, there, I, I need to stay away, I need to kind of build a wall, I, I've gone as far as I can. Here, here's kind of the trump card that Paul lays down ultimately. For all the people in your life and my life that we will say, I've gone as far as I can there, that group of people I don't like to hang around because they're a bad influence and here's why, you know, 
Um, and not only that I don't like to be around them, but I'm hostile toward them, okay? There's wisdom in how we relate to people. The, the issue on the table this morning is whether we're hostile toward people or whether we allow hostility to stay in relationships, okay? There's wisdom in how we develop friendships, right? There's wisdom in how we um, move in company together where we're not best friends with everybody. I get that. But there also is not room for the Christian to maintain or encourage hostility toward an individual or a group. There's just not room for that, okay? And, and this is what Paul will argue against, and he'll say this, that if we think this is okay, here's what he says in verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And he lays down this ultimate trump card of like, okay, why don't we list out the sins of the person that, is, that you're hostile toward? Why don't we list out the sins of the group of people that you don't like for whatever reason? Let's just list it out. Let's lay it out. Okay, as God's ambassador, I want you to know that God became sin. He didn't just say, why don't you come? Why don't you come to me in my purity and holiness? He became sin to draw people in. So, And here's, here's the thing that... It's God's kindness that draws people to repentance, right? It's not his purity. None of us responded to faith in Christ and said, you know what, man, it's just because of God's greatness and his holiness that I need to come. It's because we, we realize God is kind and good, and so we're drawn to it. So here's what Paul will say in another letter to the Romans. He'll say this, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? In other words, if God's kindness was shown to you and to me, and he made you a multimillionaire perfect, with that privilege comes a responsibility to do the same thing, even to that little group of people, to that individual, to that family member, to that class of people. that You might look at and say, no, I'm kind of, eh, eh, eh. I don't even like being around them. And I have reasons for that, because they're immoral. I don't even like them. I mean, our door to the church is open. If they can want to come on in, they can. But I don't even like being around them. That hostility has got to be, be replaced with friendliness. That's reconciliation. It doesn't mean that I allow someone who is struggling deeply with some serious you know, personal issue to babysit my children for a weekend. Right? There's wisdom in how we handle relationships, but there isn't room for hostility to be nurtured for the Christian. just isn't room for that. That has to be replaced with kindness because God's kindness leads us to repentance. So the question in all of this now, as we think about, we have become spiritual multi-millionaires. We've become perfect through Christ. We're viewed that way. This is what Paul is saying, that you and I have that incredible privilege of being identified that way. Therefore, we have this responsibility to do more than someone who isn't in that category, to do more, to go further, to love our enemies, to care for those who are not like us. This is, this is who you are. This is a spiritual individual. This is your identity, your, your, the righteousness of God. And so therefore, the question is this, what are you rethinking or what have you been rethinking? Okay? And this comes back to the question on the card for you. This comes back to the time now where we say, all right, Let's, let's call for it. All right, let's talk about it as a people. Not just hear about it, not just listen to, to me talk about it or you know, have the thoughts in our mind sitting here as we're processing and maybe pushing back and objecting and owning and wondering and then forgetting and then remembering and feeling guilty or shame, whatever. Instead of just all that kind of privately that goes on, uh, let's talk about it here. And so... This is where I'd like the, to invite the worship team to come on up uh, and get ready to play behind me. Um, and, and, uh, and Chuck will come up here as well, so come on up while I'm talking here, guys. Um, and what we'd like to do, they're going to play through a song here um, to begin. And during this time, we'd like to, I'd like to give you a chance, uh, if you would like to, to write down a thought. Here's what I'm rethinking. Here's what I need to rethink. Here's how I need to rethink it. And obviously say it in a wise enough way that can be read to, to everybody here this morning. And let's see what God is doing in us, because I think you might find some courage and encouragement with what is going on 
around you. And if you would like, I would be glad to pray by name for you. So just jot your name on that card if you would like. If not, that's not a problem at all. But I just want you to know that is there. After this song, um, about the middle of this song, I will get back up and call for the ushers to bring the cards in. So those, those cards will find their way to the middle and the ushers will momentarily come and pick them up. So as the worship team leads through this song, what have you been rethinking? What have you been rethinking? Write it down and we're going to talk. So if you can pass your card right to the center there, if you haven't already, they're going to come grab those cards, and we will conclude um, our time here momentarily. They're going to bring them up in a minute. The worship team will continue in song, and uh, we invite you to join in as well.
Guys, thank you for participating in this. A um, lot of good stuff. I'm speed reading here, and Chuck and I were speed reading, sitting there. Uh, good stuff. I'm going to read a few, and then uh, Chuck, we'll go back and forth here a little bit this morning. Um, and I hope you're encouraged by what you, what you hear. This is what's happening right now, all right? This person wrote, I've been rethinking how I'm representing Jesus in my life. Someone wrote, uh, having more of a servant's heart. This one said, uh, having the courage to take the first steps in mending a broken relationship with a fellow believer. And one more, not to let the fear of failure run my decisions. Got a few. Rethinking my capacity to love versus God's capacity to love. My intense responsibility to be responsible with these spiritual riches he gave. I was challenged again by the simple truth that I am an ambassador of Christ, which is not as simple to live out. As I evaluated my interactions in social circles, especially with unbelievers, I was encouraged by the honor and the depth of this task. It is impossible for life to lack purpose when this is my perspective. If every believer was mirroring my outreach efforts, would Christ's kingdom be advancing? There's no person or group of people that are not worth my time or love. I've been given much. And then another one, we would love to have a home group uh, near us. And we want to grow in Christ, and we need wisdom from God. That's good. All right, this one wrote, uh, rethinking, what's my motivation or intention for life, love, work, relationships, God, faith, doubt, reason, judgment, friends, family, dating? What is my why? What is God's why, and how do I know? Uh, Am I being, am I representing love, and how do I become and represent God's love. This person wrote, uh, my priorities, rethinking them, how I can show God's love to others. Uh, One person wrote here, uh, rethinking my generosity. And this one said, Christ's love compels us that he died for all and that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for others. That's good. good. This person said, rethinking my attitude and my responses. Rethinking what spiritual leadership of family looks like. Rethinking how to love someone in a difficult friendship. And this person says, rethinking judgment. Why do I judge people before I know them? Hmm. I don't do that. It's a good thing to rethink, that's for sure. Just being sarcastic in case people don't realize that. All right. This person's rethinking how to demonstrate Christ's love to others. Rethinking relationships at work, going deeper with God personally, with my wife, with my kids. Stepping away from the hostility and find reconciliation. This person wrote, I am the righteousness of God. And one more. I need to rethink the way I react when I feel offended by something that someone said to me. Having a loving and compassionate heart even when words people say to you are offensive. That's a tough one. Uh, thinking, uh, rethinking forgiveness before God um, and also forgiveness of fellow men. Thinking of family relationships and trying to be open to what the Lord might ask me to do, or trying to balance wisdom and grace. This person was, was honest as all of these are, says, I need to ask God every day to help me extend forgiveness to someone who did something awful. I've been struggling with anger towards this person for years and can't seem to actually forgive him. Mm. That's a tough one good. Rethinking actions in life affecting my whole life. Rethinking how much time I've been investing in myself instead of investing time to enhance his kingdom. This person is rethinking the perspective I have on daily stuff, stress, etc., and the story that my life projects as a result. I need to rethink, this person wrote, being an ambassador for Christ in my workplace through my words and actions. And then this person wrote, I need to rethink my daily time with God. This person wrote, even though I struggle with people who don't think or act like me, I need to remember that God loves them as much as me. His blood was shed for them too. Rethink my my desires to increasingly extend God's grace and mercy to those I encounter, not being quick to judge and condemn. What do I have to repent of? What has happened in my life? 
can't read that last line. I have my glasses that I still carry. It says Chuck's getting old. Yeah. Wow. We God became he, sin for us. We thank you, my friendship with Tim. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, just seeing this, this theme of people dealing with, though, this idea of forgiving and just living in God's grace and offering that to one another, it seems to be a recurring theme. It, it does. I was going to ask you here, as we were, we're moving toward the end, some of these themes that we're seeing. You're picking up on the themes, too, that we're, we're processing live. I see that, absolutely. Uh, this person's rethinking their attitude, what it should be, and what I say about someone that I don't know at the core, or that I don't care to be around me. Rethinking my time in order to prioritize what's most important. I've been rethinking my relationship with a cousin that has been strained for many years. She isn't a believer that I know of. It's my responsibility to show her more compassion, forgiveness, and grace as an ambassador of Christ. That's good. How I communicate and interact with others and how I show compassion to them. Can I show or feel contempt for gaze? How can I rethink and refeel? Rethink my relationship with my son. Rethink with privilege comes responsibilities, and I am the righteousness of God. Hmm. Come to the end of yours. This person uh, is writing that they need to rethink that God is sovereign and hasn't forgotten about me. This person is rethinking how we treat others, especially those who cross us as a direct reflection of the God that you serve. They're also rethinking that they're not counting someone's actions against them, reconciling even when it hurts. Rethinking the amount of effort I give. Being a better ambassador for Christ at work, an extreme secular environment while still maintaining professionalism and not being able to discuss my faith in the work setting. I develop close relations with coworkers, but I leave my church life out of these relationships. And then what I need to do with what I just heard. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it I need to rethink? I'm rethinking if how I treat and interact with others is a direct reflection of God, then what message am I sending if I am hung up on disappointments in my life? Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. That is good to be hung up on disappointments in life and have that impact our ability to care for the people around us. This person's rethinking that my life sends a message. And what is my message to others? What is my life saying? I need to communicate Jesus Christ by my actions and behavior every day. What changes do I need to make, they ask. This person is rethinking how I treat others, especially those that tick me off, is a direct reflection of my relationship with Jesus. This statement has made me rethink my relationship with Christ because I have been unkind to family that have crossed me. And then they write a work in process. Can you relate to that? <laughs> Welcome to the You're club. Saying, do I relate to that? Or yeah, no, I'm that? telling you, you relate to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, this last one uh, for me. Uh, this person wrote that I'm almost 18 and realizing what kind of message I would like my life to be sending. I want to forgive and not hold grudges to my enemies. I want to show the righteousness of the Lord. That's good for someone who's turning 18. Would you ever like to have written that when you were 18? That's pretty good. I think we can finish these last two okay. sets. And yep. We should be good. Um, here's one that says, um, re- thinking that I'm giving too much to ministry and to others. And then he wrote wrong with all capital letters. He gave his life for me. Of course, I can give him my time and talents. As much as he asks of me, I should be willing to give. Hmm. How can I intentionally live my life on mission for making disciples, caring more about kingdom goals than personal ones? Since we have these promises, let's purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And 2 Corinthians 7.1, good, good verse, good reminder. This person says, thinking of the cross before getting crossed. Mm. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's our next, that's one of your that next That sounds things. really good. Yeah, I yeah, should have said something like that. Thinking of the that. cross before getting crossed. Yeah. Being, slow, being slower to anger. And then this one says, how I feel about myself. Rethinking how I feel about myself, I tend to mentally put myself down. I need to discover how God feels about me, to see myself in the light of God. And then I have one more here that says, uh, um, what did this series spur me to rethink? Maybe it's time to stop talking to. Maybe it's time to start talking to other drivers. Oh, maybe that just means to stop your breath while you're driving? Talk- yes, yes. So stop talking to other drivers. Like when I'm following you? Yes. You're going too slow? Exactly. That's what I thought. Okay. You're talking. Right. I see your lips moving, buddy. Yeah. I, uh-huh. 
I've seen that more than once. All right. You've got to turn your phone off when you call me on those things too. All right. Um, this person wrote, the challenge for me is to get my uh, practice up to my position in Christ. That's good. I need to rethink relationships at work. I need to pray for those that I'm struggling with. I also am praying that God change my heart and attitude to give me more patience, understanding, and kindness in order to forgive. And this person wrote, uh, no matter who is uh, hurt, no matter who is hurt deeply, to learn forgiveness and better reactions to how I've been affected. That's good. Wow, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, reactions. I just Quick. appreciate everybody's honesty. You know, yeah. we all. You know, we, we, we want God to interact with the text and to, yeah. um, to put our head and our heart on the same page, and that's what you heard. Yeah, I, I appreciate I so. the honesty. It's amazing. Okay, so we're processing this live with you right now, but isn't it amazing how all of this stuff is going on um, around this room right now, right? And yet after church is over, we don't talk about this, do we? Isn't that funny? Am I, the, am I the only one who thinks that's funny? We all talk about it. <laughs> no one talks to me about it. I'm feeling left out. It's a hard conversation to step into, though, isn't it? But yet, when asked, we're saying, hey, here's stuff that we're thinking about. Isn't that ironic? It just seems ironic to me. That, and we, for whatever reason, maybe we don't trust each other well enough or we're kind of nervous and you know, insecure in our own right, wondering if people actually care about my story or not. These things are happening, and it's hard to take that step into saying, hey, this is going on. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? I think, I think what I heard is, is that we're not alone. Each one of us yeah. is struggling with things very similar. And so maybe we don't share because we think, well, Tim's going to judge me or look down on me because obviously yeah. he doesn't struggle with forgiveness, but I do. But what we heard is that we're all kind of in this together. We're all dealing with the same things. We are from, um, from the parenting, from the singleness, from um, marriage, um, how we spend our time at work, um, our, our getting ourselves up to understanding uh, if this is who I am, an ambassador of Christ, I've got work to do. <laughs> Sounds like we're all in the same in the same boat on this thing. Yeah. That's good. Any other thoughts? That's, whoa. Chuck's out of words. It's impressive. <laughs> good. Make sure you turn that mic off now before he says something. Guys, thank you so much. This is good. Uh, I hope you're encouraged by this. I mean, I think it's kind of neat to say, here's what's going on um, in practical, tangible ways. All right? uh, this, is, this is what we're processing. And I, and I hope that we can say to one another, what used to be maybe a little awkward to have the conversation with, how you doing? Well, here's how I'm doing. Here's what I'm rethinking. Maybe we say instead of that, man, how did that hit you this morning? Man, how can I pray for you? What are you rethinking? Whatever it might be. But guys, we got this going on, all right? We got this going on in our lives. Uh, there are ways and means that we set up to try to help us connect, you know, from small group to Sunday school. But we know that at the end of the day, it's a matter of saying, I want to get to know the people around me to, to care for and encourage. We're in the same boat, uh, like the way Chuck said it there, and I think you can see that, guys. We're sitting around the room with people who are struggling with the same stuff and who want to be taking the steps to rethink who we are in Christ. I'm encouraged, and I hope you are. Not that we're failures, <laughs> but that because God became sin for us through the person of Jesus Christ, he made you and me the righteousness of God, and that that is amazing grace. This amazing grace. And with privilege, of course, comes responsibility. But don't forget, you're not defined by what you have yet to do. <laughs> you're defined by who has saved you. You're defined by him. You're, you're made in his image, and you are the righteousness of God. It's an, amazing, it's an amazing message, and it's an amazing grace that's brought us there, right? Guys, let's stand to pray to wrap this thing up. And if we can, let's, and we, of course we can, will you uh, help me out by joining hands across the, the pew there, across the aisle or whatever, in, in a show of unity and togetherness that, that we are, we are the, uh, the righteousness of Christ. Let's, let's join hands as we pray together here, all right? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that we have the chance to be together this morning as a people. We have room to grow. We will always have room to grow. But, Father, I pray that this morning will be one of those steps forward for us in intentional growth, in caring well for one another, in knowing the people around us are working through the same stuff we are. It just might look a little bit different. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for your amazing grace. 
that has caused us to become multi-millionaires spiritually, that we have become your righteousness because of what you have done for us. Help us to live out that privilege with great care, love, and responsibility to reconcile, to serve, to love well. Give us courage as well to step into relationship with one another in a way that is um, honest and caring. Father, we thank you for what you can do through people who come together around the message of reconciliation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Why don't you go dividing of the sea. Let's sing this final song as we wrap it up together.